Uh, I'm not fantastic with names. So if you ever come up to me and we shake hands and I get to say hi and I call you cowboy or champ or buddy, I forgot your name and I apologize. Um, I don't remember this buddy's name. I don't remember this friend's name. I remember his house, though. Uh, growing up in the suburbs, we would hang out a lot. We were just four or five houses down. Um, and I remember walking in his house for the very first time. And again, different families do different things. There's no judgment here. But this is what stuck in my mind. I remember walking in the front door, um, and he was leading me, I think, to his backyard. We were going to play something, do something fun. And I remember looking at the floor and seeing stuff, random stuff. I mean, nothing like interesting or exciting or like, oh, that should be there. Just piles and piles and piles of stuff. Um, and as we walked to the back of his house, there was actually a path in between the stuff. So there was a path to the couch. This is from the couch to the kitchen, from the kitchen to the backyard. And so we walked the path. And again, I'm a little kid, whatever. I don't care. You got stuff. That's great. Who cares? Um, but I remember that just vividly in my brain. I don't remember his name, but I remember this stuff. And I grew up and I realized why I remembered it, because it would give me anxiety. I'm a guy that is not a fan of clutter. I don't like knickknacks. I don't like things being in my car. I don't like pictures on the wall. My wife wins on that one. We have pictures on the wall. So I understand I have a problem. I don't like itty-bitty little things everywhere. I've got two little kids, <laughs> and it's pink plastic things everywhere. Okay? So that's just my personality. That's how I'm wired. I'm not a big fan of clutter, of things around. Uh, let, me, let me give you a picture here. Let me, let's go back to the first picture. Um, this, this is a nightmare for me. If this is your home, that's fine. It's your home. I don't care. If this is your car, that's great. Um, my office uh, <laughs> is pristine. Not because I stand here and I'm like, you should like me. because my No, because I can't get anything done until I clean it. Matter of fact, I think it might be somewhat of a mental illness. I've got to dust my office before I write a sermon. I might have a problem. Okay, let's go to the second picture. So if that's my nightmare. This one is my daydream. I think there's possibilities galore. There's, you can do anything. This is, um, this is a, supposed to be a child's room, but obviously it's fiction because for crying out loud, if you've ever had kids, that's ridiculous. And again, you don't have to be like me. People have different personalities. There's no right or wrong personality. I'm just kind of an anti-clutter kind of person. I try to live my life that way. Um, about six weeks ago, my somewhat clutterless existence was destroyed. Um, for the last couple years, uh, my wife and I, we've been talking, I've been praying, I've been thinking about doing some graduate work. I got my undergrad a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and I thought maybe it's time, maybe I have a little bit of time, a little bit of resources to try, you know, get my master's. I know it would take a long time, but that's fine. Um, unfortunately, my timing didn't work perfectly. My wife got a brand new job, the kids went back to school, I started school, and then I had some health concerns. I ended up in the hospital. I'm okay, a little bit of medicine, a whole lot of prayer. But to be honest, for about two to three weeks, my life became chaos. Because I thought I was going to add one thing to my life, and all of a sudden I added like six or seven things, and it was just chaos. It was clutter everywhere. I wasn't a very good employee. I wasn't a very good husband. I wasn't a very good father. I was a horrible graduate student. It was not working. All because, basically, I added one too many things. Jim Gaffigan, I don't know if you're into comedy, I'm a big fan of Jim Gaffigan, um, he says this, he's like, hey, picture yourself, uh, his fourth kid or fifth kid or twelfth kid, I'm not sure it was, uh, he said, picture yourself treading water, holding a baby, and someone hands you another baby. 
you just sink. And that's kind of how I felt. I felt like I was treading water. I was in an okay spot. I'm like, okay, so I'll add something else. And I just, I sunk. And this clutterless existence that, uh, when I think I'm in control, is clutterless-ish, it just kind of all came crashing down on me. If you're anything like me, you struggle with a crazy life. Things are out of control. Chaos reigns sometimes. We push the limits as far as possible, then we push some more. We have fallen into a routine of spending more than we have with our time, energy, and money. Here's an example. Anybody else go on vacation, tired, and come back more tired? Anybody like stressed out, like, oh man, I just need a couple days off, maybe hang out with my kids or hang out with some friends or maybe just sit around and not watch Netflix for 48 hours. Whatever your vacation is, totally cool, but we live in such a life that I go on vacation, I come back and go, oh, I shouldn't have went on vacation. I need a vacation for my vacation. We work, we play, and we crash hard in our society. We're going to be talking a little bit this morning about margin. Margin is a space between our load and our limit. Load is what we're carrying right now and what our limit is. And we all have limits. How about, how about we do this? I'm going to repeat it. Margin is the space between our load and our limit, what we're carrying now and what we're capable of carrying. We all have limits. And really, stress builds the closer we get to that limit. You've been in that spot before where you've got 700 things going on. You have all these plates spinning. You have all these balls that you're trying to juggle, and you realize this is too much. This is too much, and you're not very good at everything. So I've got, a, I've got an illustration. We're going to try this. I might not get invited back because I, I might make a mess. Um, so our lives, with margin and without margin, I'm going to try to represent with these little vases, vases, whatever they're. Um, so I'm going to fill one up. I'm going to fill one up. Yep, Mama Gunner. Almost all the way. I'm going to fill the other one up all the way. Then we're going to talk the idea of load and limit. So our load, again, is what's happening today, and our limit is where we just hit the top. Okay, so load and limit. Um, without margin, we are spent, worn out, and drained. When life is normal for us, and all the chaos and all that's going on, if we constantly live here where it's filled to the brim and we think, man, we need to add one more thing, we need to add one more thing, we've got to live this life and all of a sudden you're crazy, you can't sleep and you're anxious and there's anxiety everywhere. When we live at our limit, we sp or we're spent, we're worn out and we're drained. If, you're, if you ever thought that you're chronically exhausted, late, rushed, overloaded, uninterested in, in serving others, or even sometimes self-protected, you and I might be living here at our limit. The difference between our limit and our load is when life becomes abnormal, when something weird happens, when the car breaks down, when the kid gets called in the principal's office, when your wife looks at you and goes, it's time, whatever it is, we live a life, and if we don't have a little margin, a little space, it gets really chaotic. If we don't, let me ask you this question. Why don't we slow down if we're living such crazy lifestyles? If, if our lives are chaos because we're at the limit all the time. Here's a couple ideas, and I'm not saying it's for you. Maybe it's for me, but it's somebody. Number one, why we don't slow down is culture. We live in a culture right now where the workaholic gets the job, gets the raise. The person that's overly committed is praised. Wow, you do 17 things at church. That's great. 
wow, you do 14 uh, uh, sports right now with your kids. It's whatever it is. We kind of look in a culture we're at right now and say, hey, the more you do, the better you are. I was raised in Missouri by a mom who basically told me hard work is a, is a positive thing, that you should be working very hard, and I'm for that. But sometimes we think, man, we need to work harder and harder and harder, and if we don't have margin, if anything else is added, it's a disaster. Number two is discipline. Have you ever heard of the old saying, you control your calendar or somebody else will? I think we struggle in that. Anybody have a hard time saying no in here? Yeah, I mean, if I asked you nicely, you'd probably even raise your hand. I'm just kidding. Um, we do. We have a hard time because we think, man, we want to serve people. We want to help people. Um, there's a lot of great things in this world, a lot of good things that we want to do. And so we keep adding and keep adding and keep adding. But the problem is as soon as we hit chaos level, as soon as we hit our breaking point, if we add anything else, it becomes a mess. We drop balls and because we have a hard time saying no. And one other reason why I think we have a hard time saying no or giving up this crazy chaotic life is fear. Fear of missing out fear of falling behind, and fear of not mattering. Fear of missing out. Hey, we all want great experiences, don't we? We want to give everything we can to our family, to our kids. We want to enjoy life as much as we possibly can. We don't want to miss out. We, we, want, we want to see others having great examples of, of fun and leisure, and we want to do that too. And sometimes we think if we don't keep adding and adding and adding to our crazy chaotic life, we're going to miss out. What about falling behind? If you're not working 65 hours a week, somebody else will be. And they're going to get that raise. They're going to get that job. We have a fear of missing out in our lives. And maybe this is just male, but the fear of not mattering. I don't know if it's a John thing or if it's a, it's a muffler thing or a male thing, but when I lay my head down at night, I, I want to matter. I want to feel like people rely on me, trust in me, my family, my coworkers, um, youth ministry, uh, friends, this community. I want to feel like people look at me and say, Hey, he's worth it. He matters. So here are a few different reasons why. That was a few, uh, a few different reasons why we keep up this chaotic life. Again, living a life at chaos level, at our limits, instead of having a little bit of boundaries. This morning, we're starting a new series called What Keeps Us Up at Night. You know what kept me up last night? I woke up in the middle of the night with a bad dream that I forgot my notes. I'm just going to be honest. That's why I have notes here. I have notes hidden over there. My wife has a sermon. I might have it in my pocket. I'm just saying. Uh, but today we're taking a closer look at our crazy, busy lives. Just basically our culture is insane. Okay, so we're going to take a look at a couple pieces of scripture, try to figure out God's view, idea of this, uh, of this crazy busyness. So if you want to, if you want to bust out your phone or your tablet or a paper Bible, or if you want to play it cool and read it on the screen, you can do whatever you like. But we're going to go to Luke 10. 38 to 42. I'm going to read that and take a, take a look at an example of sisters who have an encounter with Jesus Christ. Let's take a look. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She and her sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he had to say. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, this is hilarious, Lord, don't you even care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Okay, let's be honest real quick. We probably got an older child and a younger child going at it. Now, I got to be careful because my kids will hear me, but I got an older child, Martha, who is 
very much into details. This has to get done. There has to be accomplishment. She's six years old, and she's making lists of things we do on Saturday. The girl is a sweet, beautiful princess, just like her mother, but is very organized. And she thinks there's got to be, and there's got to be. Mary, where do we find Mary? Chilling out, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And this is basically what a disciple would do at the time. They would be at the feet, listening, taking notes, trying to figure things out. Martha is busy because she has a guest over. All right, let's be realistic. The Pope's in town. He comes to your door. I don't know why. You're cool. The Pope wants to hang out with you. What's the first thing you think of when he comes to your front door? I got to make the bed. Oh, dirty dishes. I haven't vacuumed in a couple of months. I don't know what it is. You were probably thinking of a laundry list of, oh, man, the Pope's here. I don't want to get his Pope robes all dirty with whatever. You start thinking of all the things that have to get done. And this was Martha. She was thinking, somebody's got to do the dishes. Somebody's got to make a, a, a banquet for this guy. He's an honored guest. We've got to clean this up. Is any of that wrong? No. It's perfectly fine. When your in-laws come to town, what do you do? You clean up. You don't live like you normally do. It's okay. It's fine. But Martha looks at Mary and goes, ah, oh, man, there's important things to do, and you're just a slacker. What are you doing? And then she has the audacity to walk up to Jesus and go, Jesus, my little sister, I'm assuming little sister, I could be wrong, my sister is just sitting around while I do all the hard work. I love his response. Here we go. Jesus says, Martha, Martha. <laughs> The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So this is a gentle, loving rebuke, but at the same time, Jesus looks at Mary or Martha and says, what you're trying to do, you're really stressed out about. All these different things that you think are important, which they are, it's, it's fine. He's saying that Mary is choosing a relationship with Jesus is choosing to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen, sitting to build a bond with Jesus. And Martha's saying, oh, man, there's really important things. He says, you're stressed out, you need to relax, and the important things that you think are important aren't that important compared to faith and following of Jesus Christ. Mary still sits there with a smile, I don't know if she's doing it on purpose. I don't know if she's sticking out her tongue at her older sister. Neener, neener, neener. I don't know what the dynamic in that family is, but I know what would be happening in my family. Um, John Ortberg, uh, author, preacher, says that hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. We see Jesus hanging out with two ladies and these two different ladies have different perspectives of what's important. The busyness, the things that need to happen, or Mary says, you know what, no. It's Jesus. He's the main event. I'm going to stay here. We have another uh, conversation in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Paul says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most out of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, we think of that real quick. We say the first sentence, like, oh, no, no, no. We've got we've to do everything we possibly can to the fullest. And I agree with that. But that next sentence clarifies the first sentence. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. 
If you and I live at this constant state of chaos, that we live over our limits, that there's no margin whatsoever, there's only if life is perfect, then we are sane individuals. What he's saying is we've chosen a lot of things and probably doing really well at them or trying very hard at them, but we're not choosing the right ones. Because the difference between margin and living a chaotic life means that you and I choose. In a chaotic life, we see that we make decisions based on emergencies, like the car is broken down. And if everything else is, is in emergency mode, we super focus, we put on blinders and say, well, I've got to deal with the car. I've got to deal with finances. I've got to deal with this health concern. And what do we do? If we spend 90, 100% of our energy, time, and focus on one thing, what about the other things in our lives? All our families, our relationship, our faith in Jesus Christ. Normally what happens is when we live a life of chaos, something slips. Faith, family, relationships. So Paul is saying, be careful. Don't live as unwise. People that just pick up things and move along, but make sure what you're doing is the Lord's will. When we change perspectives, we see that important isn't as important as it used to be. Foolish man does not know Christ's purpose for him, Paul says, and for this world. So he foolishly squanders his opportunities on the unimportant. Listen, at the end of the day, life is better with breathing room. Life is just so much easier when you have time to sit and hang out with your family for dinner, when there's money at the end of the month, when you have less speeding tickets because you're always running late, going 90 miles an hour to church. Time to devote to faith, family, and self. To be honest, breathing room, our margin, gives us opportunities that we cannot have when we're in chaos mode. So when something is added, we still have room. Here's a couple positives of living a life with margin. When we are drained, we have space to heal. Have you ever just needed a mental health day? Ever just needed like, man, I'm not sick physically. I just need to stare at a wall, read a book, take a nap. We need that. I don't mean every day. I don't mean every week. I do mean that we just need time and space to take a step back and breathe. We have time to serve others' needs instead of just our own. When we're super uh, crazy busy and there's no margin in our lives, we are constantly trying to fix the emergencies that are happening right in front of our eyes. We very rarely, if ever, have time for anybody else. Very rarely. Family, friends, neighbors, people in our community. We give our self-correcting bodies a chance to find normality. All right. The mufflers are a little crazy when it comes to sleep. We value sleep. Our kids, Stacy. Stacy taught me this. I wasn't very good at this before my wife came around. Um, you know, adults need seven to nine hours a day. Junior high, high school, and college students need eight to ten. And elementary kids need like 11. So how are you feeling now? You feel good about that? You feel okay? No. Most of us in this culture, we sleep very few hours. Matter of fact, the national average is five to six hours a day for an adult. One night, no big deal. Five nights, no big deal. By the fourth month you're doing that, guess what's happening to your body? It's wearing down. It's difficult. When we have margin, we have the opportunity, and I know this is kind of silly, to sleep and allow our bodies, our minds, to self-regulate, to help each other, or uh, help us out uh, emotionally and physically. Uh, when we live a life of um, margin, we nourish the relationships that are most important to us. I grew up with a dad 
who is an excellent provider. That's it. We never wanted. We never skipped a meal. We had a nice little house. That was it. When we nourish the relationships that are most important to us, we find health in our family. We find health with our kids, with our neighbors, with our church community. And one of the first things that go when we live a chaotic life is others. My encouragement, you guys, is this. When we find balance, when we find a little margin, we grow spiritually. We grow with our kids. We grow with our parents. We grow with our neighbors. And then the last one was we find availability when God calls us to something new. Guys, this is the fun part. Because we think we kind of know what's going on. We have, a, we have a job. We have a life. We have all these things. And when we live margin... We can get that crazy feeling. You know that feeling you're like, no, no, that's not for me. That Holy Spirit talking to your heart kind of feeling saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. That's crazy. I'm, I'm too busy. I'm too full. When we have margin, when we don't live on the edge of our limits, you and I, we can do something crazy for God. He can call us to do something different and new and able to bless others in his name. All right, so let's talk a couple of takeaways. How do we build, how do we look at building margin in a chaotic, crazy lifestyle. We're going to look at Matthew 6, 25 through 34. We're going to pull out a couple of different ideas. I would imagine it'll be up here. You guys have it on your tablets, on your phones. Um, Matthew 6, 25. Oh, let me, let, me, let me give you this. God doesn't beat around the bush. <laughs> Do you have that friend that takes like 5, 10, 15 minutes to get to what he actually needs? Like after 15 minutes of the conversation, he's like, oh man, can you help me move? Yeah. You could have just said, hey buddy, you want to help me move? I'd be like, yeah. God doesn't do that. Listen to the first few words. Um, <laughs> Matthew says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. <laughs> what you eat or drink or about your body. I know that's a rough start, but it gets better. Hold on. Therefore I, uh, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, reap, or, sto or store away in barns, and yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field? They do not spin or labor. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, but is thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will, he not, will he not much more clothe you you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And here it is. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to us as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. When we look at our chaotic lives, when we see that there's no margin, we see that we are overcommitted, that we are chronically running late, the first thing we could possibly do is change our perspective. And this is difficult, and this is painful, and this is why I want to encourage you guys to seek his kingdom first, and then everything else will find a place. Instead of saying, I've got to work, I've got to do, I've got to be a part of all these different committees, I've got to do, 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 and if there's any time left over, maybe I'll hang out with my friends and family, and then maybe I might even come to church every once in a while. He says, flip it around. He says, seek his kingdom first, and everything else will come into play. 
and he'll give you everything else. And that's a difficult statement. But let's, here's three things that we can do to try to trust and look to the kingdom first. Trust in God and practice letting go. It's not like I can say some magic words and you can walk away and just not worry about stuff. That's not realistic. But what I would encourage you guys to do is to look at one of those dumpster fires, one of those emergencies, one of those things that when we live chaotic lives that we constantly focus on and say, how do I pray more about this first instead of reacting first? How do I lean on God, lean into God's grace before I start worrying, getting upset about this situation? I know that's not easy, but therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat, drink, your body, what you wear. The second one is live out a, uh, try to live out a lifestyle of simplicity. Again, this is not easy, but verse 29 says this about flowers. Yet I tell you not, even Solomon, king of Israel, had so much money that gold and silver was falling out of his pockets. The man was dressed well, mainly because of the hundreds of wives he had. I'm just saying, he needed it. Um, and all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Solomon had anything he could want, literally anything. And God says, hey, I make sure the flowers look beautiful compared to Solomon. And Solomon had every single thing. When we live a life of simplicity, we have to look at it and say, wait a minute, if we change our perspective instead of saying, this is what I want, this is what I want to gather together so I can find happiness, we flip that and say, what I have has been a gift of God's. How much do I really need and how much can I share? When we change our perspective from I must have to everything's a gift, we build margin. Try buying things for their usefulness and not for their status. Develop a habit of giving away things. Reject things that produce addiction in you. Whatever your addiction is, when we feed into that and feed into that, we run after ourselves instead of seeking his kingdom first. And the last one is to fight against the fear. The fear of not mattering. Fight against the fear of missing out. Um, verse 32 says, For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Pagans in this situation is just people that follow after like Greek mythology. Zeus, Ares, that kind of stuff. And basically, it was a big, gigantic, look what I've got mentality. I'm trying to gain favor, favor of these gods. I want to gain favor with the people uh, around me, and I'm going to collect and collect and collect. And what God says is, don't worry about that fear. Fight against the fear of being left out or not getting everything you need because your heavenly Father knows what you need and he's going to give it to you. Again, when we change perspectives from the chaos in our lives and saying, hey, this is all about my life because I cannot stand every single day I feel like I'm sinking. I've got to focus on me to building margin in our lives. We can flip the script, look at God first, and he adds everything to us. Andy Stanley has a great resource called Choosing to Cheat. It's a 100-page book. It's really small. It's fantastic. It's basically the premise is when we pour time, energy, and resources into something, we have a limit. We can't pour it into everything. So if you pour 80% of your time, energy into your work, then you're cheating 80% of your time, energy out of your family. Or flip it around. If you're spending 80% on your family, then you're actually cheating your job. So he, uh, he writes this book. It's a great quick read. I would encourage you to, to pick it up. Um, basically, how do we balance? How do we find balance in how much resources we pulled different things in our lives? Ask yourself, where do I need breathing room in my life? All right, we're going to do something that I do in, in student ministries all the time. Break out your phone. Bust it out, and we're going to do something. Instead of taking notes, um, I find that the best thing that you can do is text yourself. That way it stays on your phone until you erase it. 
There's a little red one there that's it's screaming at you. Maybe at lunch, maybe when you're hanging out later, uh, you can read it. But I want to ask you the question again. Where do I need breathing room in my life? Where do I need to find balance? Where do I need to, to fight against the chaos and build a little margin so I can have my perspective straight? So I want you to answer that question. Where do I need to find margin? Where do I need to find breathing room? And I want you to text it to yourself because we all have limits. We all have stress. And we live in this crazy culture that demands so much out of us. As you text yourself, what would it look like if we had margins in our lives? Dinner with the family? Money at the end of the month? A little bit of mental health going in the right direction? That's my encouragement. That's my challenge, not only for you, but for me. To how do I look at my life and try to flip the script of saying, instead of it being about me, I'm chasing after God's kingdom, and then he's going to give me everything else I truly need. So that's my prayer. That's my hope for you. If you want to have a conversation, if you want to pray with somebody, um, we're not going to ask you to come forward. There's a prayer room right there. Or if you want to find somebody with a lanyard, go talk to them. If you want prayer, if you want to talk about a decision, if you just want to have a conversation about faith, man, we would love to have that with you today. Find somebody with a lanyard or find your way into the prayer room and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful, Lord, for the opportunity we have today in this free country, the, a country that gives us the opportunity to worship you. As we run this life, this difficult, busy, crazy, chaotic life, that you would help us find a little bit of margin. So this life just isn't about us and the emergencies that are in our lives. Help us seek your kingdom first. Let us run after our faith in Jesus Christ like Mary did, who just sat there and just wanted to be present in the moment with you, God. Help us fight fear. Let us fight back culture. Let us fight back um, sometimes our inability to say no to things so that we can be the healthiest we can be to run after you. Father, we are grateful for this, uh, this congregation, this, uh, this church here. I would ask, Lord, that you would bless them and allow them to have an amazing afternoon as they chase after you. It's in Jesus' name, amen.